Blog Talk Radio. The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. we do think we can make it better because of the Lord in our life. And that's why we have this program. And that's why we love to talk to people who are functioning in the marketplace in, in some way, shape or form and, uh, and can help give us encouragement and inspiration and guidance on how to live a Christian life that is not segregated. It's not. It's, it's not uh, sacred over here and secular over there. And we don't. We don't walk back and forth uh, from one to the other. But we live a whole life, a holistic life in which all is sacred. And uh, that's something what we've been talking about a lot here at the catch, and we like to keep keep focused on and we love having guests from so many different walks of life that can help us do this better so um uh tonight our our guest is uh from the from arizona area and uh we're talking to him from flagstaff right now and uh beautiful beautiful town of flagstaff Chandler and I just went through there not that long ago, and uh, his name is Brent Garrison. I'm going to have him tell you a little bit about uh, what he's done in the past, and we connected up uh, a number of years ago. Uh, Brent has spent a lot of time in uh, higher education, and uh, where I really got to know him was when he was uh, uh, president of uh, the uh, Arizona a Christian college there in Arizona. I even don't even remember the official name, but uh, we can uh, we'll we'll hear that in just a minute. And uh, Brent's going to talk to us uh, uh, after we find out a little bit about what he's been doing so far with his life. Um, going to talk to us. We want to cover this whole idea of of mentoring, building relationships across generations. That's that's really what we want to focus on tonight. I think this will be very exciting. So please welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Brent Garrison. Brent, welcome. Thanks, John. And, and indeed, we did go, uh, we go way back uh, to the late 70s when we met. You were uh, doing a spiritual life week for uh, Laterna University where I was dean of students. Yeah. And okay. uh, then I went on to Moody Bible Institute. I was uh, dean of students and also a vice president of external studies for about 11 years. So that was a privilege to, to be at that great institution in Chicago. And then, cool. John, 27 years ago, we came out to Phoenix to be president of uh, Arizona Christian University, and we were there for 15 years and got tired of fundraising because that's basically what college presidents do. <laughs> yeah. So I had the privilege 
of uh, then uh, transitioning yet again about 12 years ago to the CEO Forum, which was started uh, many years ago at the Focus on the Family. And our ministry today, we, we left the Focus some years ago, but it started there. Our ministry is to mentor and uh, love on uh, business executives of large companies who are people of faith. And so I have absolutely loved uh, the past 12 years uh, getting to know these precious brothers and sisters and and uh, having a different career in a way from higher ed to uh, kind of the business world. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, uh, my career so far. Wow. That's very cool. So uh, so you're still keeping busy, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I do a little contract work with the CEO forum, but then I started a small business consulting uh, a firm. Uh, I think small businesses particularly, they're started by an entrepreneur and they grow them to a certain level. And the skill set that uh, started the company may not help them grow it beyond a certain level. And I've just so enjoyed doing that the last, oh, year and a half or two years. So, yeah, I'm semi-retired, but keeping busy, John. Good, good. That's great. Well, uh, you said... You sent me a picture of yourself with your, is that a Harley? <laughs> no, John, John. <laughs> hey, I don't a, know. That's a, that's, a, that's a BMW 1200RS, and uh, not to brag, but I'm going to brag. In my 50-some nice. years of riding motorcycles, I probably have had 50 motorcycles. So wow. um, it was kind of a disease, but I don't do that anymore at my age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds like really fun. That's a big one. It is. Yeah, it is. Wow. Well, it's twelve hundred pieces. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, um, so what I want to, you know, we've been here at the catch. You mentioned mentoring, and that's really what we want to talk a lot about tonight, if we can. And um, you know, we've been discovering here that we, there's these thoughts about mentoring that well you've got a you got an older person or maybe at least an older person in the lord uh, discipling a younger person or a younger person in the lord and it's kind of a you know um somebody who has this has the goods shoveling the goods to somebody who doesn't and uh, you know, we uh, a kind of teacher student uh, type thing. That's I think where we all start maybe when we think about mentoring. But uh, we've been doing a lot of studying with this, and then also a lot of a lot of practice. And as we practice this, we begin to find that uh, true mentoring um, is, is not just a teacher-student. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship. It's just like yeah. any other relationship. It's a relationship between two people who are walking along together and, uh, and probably in a real way uh, learning from each other. Um, I'd love to have you talk about that. And are we on the right track there as far as your experience? And uh, maybe you could give us some, some, some pointers on, 
on what mentoring is to you. Yeah, and again, the word or the term mentoring is probably used more today than discipleship because that's the biblical word we see. But yeah. it's it's a form of mentoring, and I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, said it best with his writing uh, "Life Together." And um, it is living life together. It's a teachable moment. I, I would say, though, and I think you'd agree, John, that mentoring or discipleship relationships, there is a there, there is a component of it where there is a more mature believer with someone that may not be as mature, quote unquote. That mm-hmm. does not mean, though, that that mm-hmm. the older or more mature cannot learn from the younger. That's right. But but there needs to be, you know, that's what mentoring is. It's it's helping somebody go beyond where they're currently at to someplace else. It's kind of like an apprenticeship was years ago. How they learn different skills is. You were somebody that's got a, a more skill or experience with a certain area. So, yeah, I completely yeah. agree with the relationship side. Um, you know, you have you spent a good part of your early career as you uh, as you showed show told us just a few minutes ago in higher education at Laterno Moody Moody Bible Institute and Arizona Christian University. So I think you have probably, knowing that I've spent a good deal of my career in that same area, uh, more as a lecturer, guest speaker, uh, and that's how I got to know you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I still feel in a special way in touch with younger people. And, um, uh, millennials primarily. Um, and so I, I have a feeling that you probably are connected uh, in some way to, to millennials today. I, I'd love for you to characterize, you know, where, where are they at right now? Where, in, in your estimation, <laughs> you know what? I know that's a general thing, but let's generalize. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, John, I, I'd like to start with this, and I, I think you'll agree with this statement too. I really, I really don't like the way sociologists or whoever has come up with this idea of compartmentalizing us by our birth dates. Uh, uh-huh. John, I'm 70. I think you're close to that. So we didn't have any of that nonsense when we grew up. We were just younger and older. We were teens or young adults, and I, and I frankly think that the millennial boomer, Gen X, it, it has caused us to look at one another uh, in a different way. It's compartmentalized us, and I, I didn't feel that way growing up. So I just kind of wanted to say that starting. Great. Um, and, and again, you may disagree with that, but I, I, I just I think it, it separates us rather than draws us together. As a young person, I never felt – like an older person didn't want to be with me. I was around older people all the time in jobs and in relationships with uh, family members. I also I also would say this, and again, you know, react to it. Um, I don't know that John, when you and I were younger in our teens or twenties, were we really that much different from from today's millennials? We mm-hmm. had uh, maybe too much pride. 
We probably felt a little bit of entitlement when we were at that age as well. We may have showed a little bit of laziness because those are <laughs> things that I hear from boomers about millennials. They say all those things. And I'm not arguing that that may not be true. It probably is at some extent. So I, I think maybe there's more commonality between boomers and millennials than we really want to because we probably don't remember what we were like when we were their age. So hmm. um, hmm. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I, I'll put some other things here too. I, I, then I want to pick up on the, the comment you made about working with college students like you and I have. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 30 years from the late 70s to 2010, I had the privilege of being around college-age kids. I yeah. absolutely, like you, love college-age. It's a, it's, a, it's a time in their life when their faith becomes their own. Sometimes they find that life mate and maybe a career choice. So it's, a, it's an important time. And, and I think I would say that I've seen a difference between the freshmen that came in the 70s and those that came up to 2010. Hmm. And I don't necessarily blame them uh, because of a couple reasons. I think all of us realize that in that time, the 50, 30, 40 years, the family structure has broken down considerably. A lot of these young men and women are coming from very dysfunctional broken homes uh, we've also they've also grown up with kind of an entitlement mindset uh, they've also experienced what I would call and, and I could I'd like to hear if people can argue with this there's been a dumbing down of education in America K through 12 hmm. I can remember reading paragraphs written by high school graduates with B plus grade point and their grammar was atrocious their spelling was atrocious. Well, you and I, we, we were taught how to write and read and think mm-hmm. and math. And so there's, there's been a dumbing down there. So I think you take those things, that has impacted the millennials to some degree, the dysfunctional family, the, 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 the uh, entitlement, and then probably the education is not at the same level. So, um, and, and then finally, and I'll be quiet and let you react. <laughs> boomers boomers have heard over and over and over again that millennials are a certain way, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. We've been yeah. told boomers are all like this. Well, after a while you hear that message, you begin to believe that all boomers are that way. Well, not all of them are that way. Some of mm-hmm. them are. Some of them aren't. And, and I think when, when we go to a relationship with a boomer with an open mind, a teachable spirit, and a desire to get to know them, and for them to get to know us, I don't think there's any problem at all between the generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, we have found that uh, there are even some similarities um, between boomers and, and millennials. Um, because you think back on, you know, we, we, we were the uh we were their age you know when the jesus movement happened and yep. uh, we were we were ready for something new and something fresh and um and something different and uh, i think 
in many ways, it seems that uh, a lot of the millennials are looking for the same thing today. I agree. I agree. And and we've even found that they've responded very positively to some of our music, you know, some of that early Jesus music uh, Mm -hmm. and its honesty and its integrity. Um, You know, we've we've been through a, a whole series of, of speaking of music, you know, since that that early Jesus music that we started, um, yeah. you know, almost fifty years ago, has gone, <laughs> has made its way through the church and on out from the church into, you know, worship music that is uh, some of it is is you know fantastic, and 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 some of it is highly produced and. Uh, you know the stuff we we never would have believed would ever be in church. <laughs> you know, drums and yes. and uh, yes. you know flash pots and you know you may have spotlights and stage and all of that. You know, I'm finding a lot of it has almost run its course, and that a lot of millennials, hey, let's get back to that guy with a guitar, you know, <laughs> singing. Well, John, John, you're you're exactly right. In fact, let me let me uh, bring about an illustration. First of all, when you said Jesus people, it brought about a memory. When I was at Moody, several times I went up to Japuza in northern Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, and worshipped with that group. And we had some of our Moody students uh, yeah. minister with them. And and so I, I completely agree. Passion for changing the world. And uh, boy, that was there. And I so enjoyed that interaction. My, my yeah. oldest daughter's married of our grandkids and uh, they attend a church where they only sing the psalteries. And that church, wow. John, is made up of mainly millennials. Wow. And you and I go, what in the world? But the reason it attracts them is because there's no glitz and glamor. It's the raw it's the rawness of the music and the words of the Psalms. Wow. Um, and they all worship together. They're not separated. They don't have children's ministry. They're all sitting together with their families. And I go, wow. there's nothing wrong with this. And um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that's so cool. Wow. It is. It is. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's why, see, we are, we are praying for a, a kind of revival of some, in some ways, uh, some of that spirit, you know, that uh, the drove drove us in the, in the Jesus movement to uh, to 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 see that happen again so in some form. Of course, it, it it won't be the same. We can't engineer it in any way. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. So, but we want to we want to be there if it's you know. If it's going to happen, well, we, well, we, we need to live long enough, then, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I hope so. No, um, I, I, no, I agree with you. In fact, John, this brings up a point. Uh, you know, we, you and I talked a little bit about a week ago, and and I brought up the point that I know of a church in town that they they want to go back to separating the generations with having a traditional service and then a contemporary service. Right. And when I heard that, I really reacted to it. And I think you did too, when you heard it, mm-hmm. that 
it, it's doing just the opposite of what we want to do uh, in, in generational faith and, and relationship. And so, uh, frankly, I don't get it, but that's what some people think is what the generations want, and I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need to learn from, from one another. And uh, yes. I, I yes. think that, that, that's a result of people wanting to worship uh, with what they like and what they're used to, you know. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, it's great to have some of that, but we should we should worship with what we aren't used to as well, because <laughs> a lot a lot about knowing God is yeah. stuff that will make us uncomfortable, you know, and should. Well, John, I, John, if I could, and I and I, and I uh, our experiences, I'm sure, are alike. When a millennial or a younger person senses that you and I show interest in whatever they like, music, movies, mm. books, um, they're going to be drawn to us. And when, when they're drawn to us, then that gives us an opportunity as, as older, hopefully wiser, to start introducing them to some great stuff like G.K. Chesterton and, and other writers and, and then some of the older music that we grew up with. Yeah. It's good stuff, the Keith Greens and the – you yeah. know, others, uh, the John, boy, John Fisher, were, were you a music guy at one time, John? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I think because we respect them and, and kind of enjoy their their uh, likes, that's going to draw them to, to consider our likes. And that's what it should be, I think. Yeah, very good point. I love that. Um, and uh, are you in... in I'm wondering if you have had um, any experience with this. I mean, uh, any uh, are there some stories you could tell us about uh, your experience walking with with young a, kid, a younger generation um, yeah. and sharing across generations? Is there some is there some way you can encourage encourage us with some good stuff about that? Well, I hope what I'm going to say will be encouragement. If it's not, then the the, the listener is not hearing me. <laughs> John, in, in, my, in my entire life, again, I'm 70. I've been in Christ 55 years this year. In my entire life, I have never had an experience where if I reached out to a younger person, be it millennial or younger, mm-hmm. where they did not want to engage at some level. I've never had that. Wow. Um, it's it just, I think if you show, of course, you know, my, I'm, I'm pretty outgoing and I like asking questions. Mm-hmm. And when we meet somebody, ask questions rather than tell them about our life, we'll have an opportunity for that. But mm-hmm. start by asking questions about them. Where are you going to school and what do you like to do and what music are you listening to? I'll tell you, motorcycles has opened a lot of doors over the years to talk about motorcycles. Yeah. Um, or, or or different things like that. You know those commonalities where we can get to talk, talking with one another. And currently, I think one of your questions to me to consider is: Am I mentoring in, any youngers right now? And I I know there's three or four right now that I meet with on a regular basis. And I think if you talk to all of them, they'd go. That's valuable. Brent is a valuable asset to me. 
And I would certainly say they are a valuable asset to me. They give me energy. They give me hope. They have knowledge about certain things that the old guy doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I think, I think what I would say to older people is quit being a grump and, <laughs> and, and acting like you don't like young people because they can read you like a book. Mm-hmm. But if you reach out to them at the church, wherever you're running into them, just reach out to them and show interest in them. I guarantee you, almost 100% of the time, it'll, it'll go well. So, but, and then, then the one other thing I wanted to say, and I'll be quiet, John, on this one, because you, this is a real okay. passion for me. It It'll bothers me a lot. <laughs> well, I, I have never, and, and maybe you have, John, I've never in my life in Christ heard a sermon where Titus 2 is really brought about. And you know the, you know the passage there. Older men are to live a, a certain kind of life and older women, and then we're to impact the younger men and women. I've mm-hmm. never heard a sermon where we challenge the members of the church to connect the older with the younger. You know, if uh, you're standing in church and there's a younger person standing next to you, maybe they're newly married, invite them over for dinner. The older person needs to take the initiative. The younger person's not going to. But if yeah. the older person, in fact, try that this Sunday, uh, people listening. If there's a younger person next to you, Ask them to come have dinner with you or, or buy dinner for them and get to know them and start that mentoring relationship with them. Wow. Wow. That's great. And, and then what, uh, tell me what, all right, I hate to be selfish, but what are the <laughs> benefits, you know, of such, of such a relationship? What, what, what is, because we're just finding a, a lot of the our over fifty seven crowd are are just kind of you know settling into the lazy boy chair you know <laughs> and, uh, uh, like it's over you know and uh, how can we you know how can we what's in it for them how can we uh, well you've already shared some of that. But um, yeah, but but you know what? Again, get them out of that. Get them out of their chairs. They're comfortable. John, chairs. if if we know the scriptures, we know that the scriptures don't talk about retirement. Retirement is something that's been invented by modern man. What I yeah. think we want in our later years is we want significance and impact. We mm-hmm. we've got all this experience and knowledge and hopefully wisdom by this time that we could share with younger people, just like. I had I had people in my life, John, that were mentors for me when I was starting my career in higher ed, and they invested in me, and they put up with me. <laughs> they tolerated me. So what are the benefits? Uh, first of all, uh, sitting in your lazy chair is, is just pathetic. <laughs> if you have relative health, if you've got relatively good health, you know, engage younger people, somebody that can really gain something from your life's experiences. That's what older people are to do. Bottom line it. We're not to sit around and waste the last years of our lives playing golf every day and traveling all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. I play golf and I travel, but but that's not our lives as as we get older. So so here are the benefits, and I already shared a couple of them. Yeah. When I sit with a younger person, 
a little bit of their energy and youthfulness rubs off on me. Mm-hmm. And I think you're the same way, John. Even though we're a little bit yeah. older, we've been around younger people. We we derive energy from them. Number two, oh, yeah. um, they do they do have knowledge about things that we don't have. If your computer breaks, who are you going to call? An old guy <laughs> or a thirty-year-old? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and those become common conversations and commonalities. And and so there's things that they know that we don't know. And then that opens up doors for them to start asking questions about us. When when you were doing this, when you were deciding who to marry or what career to make, um, mm-hmm. that opens mm-hmm. doors for us to share our life experiences and wisdom. So, man, benefit after benefit after benefit. Get out there and do it, for goodness sake. Ah, this is so good. That's so good. Uh, well, we've got – we we got about one minute left, <laughs> one, one or two minutes. So um, uh, give us. A, I I hate it when people do this to me. You know, the last word. What's the last word, <laughs> Brent? But well, you know, give, well, give us I, something going out the door. You know, what can we take with us? No, that's no problem at all, John. I've got my Bible okay. open to, to Titus two, and I'm going to read that passage that I alluded to earlier, real quick. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what's good and and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech. I don't think we could close with much better than that, John. Wow. And that was Titus chapter 2? Yes, uh, verses uh, 1 through 8. Okay. 1 through 8. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you've given me, uh, I'll, I'll have to get into that deeper and maybe start writing some catches on that. That sounds great. Well, I think so, you got another yeah. book on that one, John. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> but uh, gosh, Brent, this is terrific. You have, uh, I think you've really encouraged us tonight and uh, I hope we've gotten some folks out of their chairs and, uh, and, and into some relationships that are going to be meaning really meaningful. Um, these are amen. These are these are in some ways terrifying days. You know, I mean, I, I've I've never, I, I certainly don't remember anything like this in our recent history. And yeah, uh, and all the more all the more reason for older people to engage with younger. And, John, yeah. I want to give you a, 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 an advertisement before I leave here. If you okay. don't know, folks, if you don't know John Fisher's writings, buy <laughs> everything he's written and enjoy <laughs> it. it. It's a little bit older, but it's – and I mean this, John. It's some of the best mm. stuff I read as I was maturing in my life. Mm. Mm. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for the vote of confidence. That's great. Well, well, Brent, God bless you. Uh, we'll we'll be in touch, and I'm looking forward to uh, 
talking to your your group of guys soon. Uh, Amen. About the twelve steps, that'll be really fun. So uh, I sure will, John. I appreciate okay. appreciate the opportunity okay. to talk about this. All right, beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, there you go, folks. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio. Connecting That's so good, so encouraging. Um, you've got to get it going with that younger generation. Stay alive. I agree, John. Pass it on. We're here to do that. So, uh, I God agree. God bless you all. Thank you. Thanks again, Brent. We'll, okay. We'll be... Uh, We'll be seeing seeing you soon. Bye-bye. All right, John. Blessing to you. Bye-bye. Thank you.